Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, an in-depth look at the Minnesota 6th Congressional District race, the heroin epidemic intensifies in Minnesota, and the U of M hosts the Big Ten Cross-Country Championships. But first, the Affordable Care Act is no longer affordable. The political back and forth between state lawmakers about how to handle rising health insurance costs in Minnesota ramped up throughout the course of the last week, heading into the November 1st start of Minsure open enrollment. The latest chapter in this continuing saga began when Governor Dayton said he'd be open to calling a special session, but first... In this emergency for some Minnesotans and their families, I'm hopeful that DFL and Republican legislators will be able to set aside the politics of the Affordable Care Act, work together and find a short-term solution for those in crisis. Dayton asked for an action plan to be in place by November 1st. The governor's proposal included around $313 million in reserve money to be used for certain Minnesotans facing big premium increases. In the meantime, Dayton urged people eligible for state and federal tax credits who were not taking advantage of them. So I strongly urge Minnesotans to contact Minsure representatives and find out how much those tax credits could reduce or even eliminate their premium hikes. Soon after, Governor Dayton sent a letter to legislative leaders renewing his call for an action plan. I stand ready. Our administration stands ready to work with you. You need to tell us what you, how you're going to proceed. I know November 1st is uh, the date I'd like to see us have something. And Dayton reiterated. Time is of the essence, as I said, because the open enrollment period begins and people out there who are hit directly with these price increases deserve to know what, what relief the city is going to provide. Dayton's letter drew a response, also in letter form, from Republican House Speaker Kurt Doubt. You know, this letter is you know, two full pages and says at the end of it, oh, we'll get back to you. So, okay, I'll, I'll wait for the Speaker to get back to me with what uh, his, they've been able to come up with. Doubt's response to the governor was quick and sharp. If I find out that those people aren't working 24-7 to find a solution to help these people get health insurance on January 1st, I'm going to call for Dayton's resignation myself. This is absolutely a dereliction of leadership. Doubt stepped back from those comments shortly after, but added that he's angry at the administration's lack of action. He ought to have a, a, a command center set up 24-7 with a thousand people in it doing everything they can to solve this problem every minute of the day until he's got it solved. On Thursday, Governor Dayton proposed a 25% rebate for Minnesotans facing rising health insurance premiums on the open market and who are not eligible for federal tax credits. The governor said it would greatly reduce premium increases for as many as 123,000 Minnesotans. Overall, our rate rebates would reduce the 2017 rate increases from an average 55% increase to a 16% increase. And note that the rebate would be for 25% of the policy's costs, not just the 2017 cost increases. For further analysis, MNN's Bill Werner spoke with Hamlin University political analyst David Schultz about the prospects of a special session. There's a lot of talk about trying to get this done before the election um, or a special session, if not then, uh, shortly after the election. What do you put the chances of that at? I put the chances at just about zero at this point. And I say that because for the Republicans, they have no real incentive to have a special session before the election because they want to use this as an issue against the Democrats. And then once the election occurs, there's probably going to be no incentive to do it in November or December. I could see them saying, just wait until January and do the problem or the fix then. 
the suitor now is uh, really Mark Dayton and Democrats to a lesser extent. Uh, the one that is courted is Republicans, and they're being hesitant. Uh, but I suppose potentially could that turn around if they were to lose control of the Minnesota House of Representatives? If they were to lose control of the House of Representatives, I also see very little incentive for the Republicans to want to do anything because they're no longer in charge. They're going to make the Democrats own this entire issue, make them solve the problem after the elections and after the new House has been sworn in. Therefore, it'll be probably a straight party line vote with the Democrats to do the fix. And if something goes wrong, Republicans can then use that against them in two years. That's a a very astute analysis that makes a lot of sense. Anything else you want to say just generally on the issue, Professor? I think right now the real issue is, given the fact that Minshur was adopted with nearly a straight party line, uh, the Democrats really own own Minshur. And I think the Republicans are using this against them and trying to use this as a broader issue in terms of how the Democrats either can't be trusted or can't govern. Uh, And in either case, I think it's a very difficult issue for the Democrats. The fact that Dayton wants a special session right now indicates how difficult or tough of an issue it is, and it could affect the outcome of who controls the House of Representatives in the election. As of airtime, the two sides seemed further apart than ever. What happens with Minsher and the Minnesotans who won't be able to afford health insurance remains to be seen. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Technology moves at the speed of innovation, and today, that's lightning fast. So when you get your hands on the latest tech, don't forget to do the right thing with your old devices. Recycle them. The Consumer Electronics Association and its members are making recycling your old tech device as easy as purchasing new ones. Just go to greenergadgets.org, type in your zip code, and you'll instantly find the responsible recycling location closest to your home. You'll also find lots of tips to simplify your recycling like asking the store where you buy your new TV if they'll haul away your old one. Television sets, video game consoles, smartphones, tablets, they're all recyclable. Don't let them clog up your local landfill. Just visit greenergadgets.org. You're sharp enough to get the latest tech tools into your home. Now be responsible enough to get your old devices to the recycler. That's greenergadgets.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As Republicans and Democrats campaigned for control of the Minnesota House and Senate, an even more heated battle is underway at the national level as the clock ticks down to November 8th. Most of the focus, of course, has been on the presidential campaign, but today we want to start looking at the most prominent Minnesota races for U.S. House. We'll begin with the 6th Congressional District, which stretches from the northwest suburbs of the Twin Cities to St. Cloud. MNN's Bill Werner has been talking with the candidates. Scott, Republican Congressman Tom Emmer is running for a second term, and his challenger is Democratic-endorsed candidate David Snyder. Mr. Snyder has a degree in political science and criminology from UMD. He served seven years in the U.S. Army as a helicopter pilot and was activated during Desert Storm, and he's been a union iron worker for the past 20 years. I'm running because, you know, I believe that the working families in this country deserve to get ahead. They deserve a pay raise, unlike my opponent who believes that we all deserve a pay cut. You know, it's time for everyone to benefit from the rising economy, not just those at the top. When I talk to small businesses, every one of them 
that I've talked to across the district all tell me the same thing. They want more customers. Well, if you want more customers, who are the customers that are coming into your store right now? It's the working people. So to get more customers, we have to get more money into the hands of the people that spend it in their stores. And that's the working people. What do you think of Hillary Clinton? Hillary Clinton is probably one of the most qualified candidates that we've ever had running for political or for the presidency. She spent, from the time that she graduated out as law school, she's done nothing but help those that are really needed at the most, whether it's minority individuals trying to get a fair deal in school, uh, whether it's 8 million children getting health insurance. And in addition to that, she worked as four years as Secretary of State, which made this country even safer uh, by helping with negotiating or starting the negotiations on limiting nu- nuclear weapons and also being there when President Obama uh, made the call to go after uh, Osama bin Laden. Her detractors will say, uh, will point to Benghazi, they'll point to the emails uh, and, and a, a litany of other yeah. items. Uh, what do you say to that? Well, as far as the Benghazi goes, that's already, we had the longest congressional hearing um, that I know of, and they all came out and basically said that she was not at fault. Emails, well, even Colin Paul and Condoleezza Rice used a private email server. Uh, but at the same token, when you look at the opposing candidate and uh, some of the statements that he's made and some of the things that have come out about him and his life, um, there is just no comparison between the two, which one's not only the most qualified but also has my endorsement, which is Hillary Clinton. That's David Snyder, Democrats candidate for U.S. House in Minnesota's 6th Congressional District. Running for re-election is Republican Congressman Tom Emmer. He served in the Minnesota House from 2004 to 2010, then ran for governor but was defeated by Democrat Mark Dayton. Emmer remained active in politics before running for Congress in 2014. Among his activities, co-hosting a morning talk radio program. This country can't provide what it needs to provide by growing at an annual 1.7% rate that we've seen since, I think, 2008. Quite frankly, it's only been 1.1% for the last three quarters. Uh, What I want to see is an economy that's growing once again, because if it's growing, it's going to take care of not only... uh, people at the top and the bottom. It's going to take care of the middle class. So from Tom Emmer's perspective, what is the best way to to grow that, to grow the economy? Bill, uh, first off, we have become the regulation nation. Last year alone, uh, the federal government issued 79,230, I believe it was, new regulations. You've got to start eliminating excessive, redundant, and unnecessary regulations. Number two, you got to start to address the tax situation in this country. When you look at uh, our corporate tax rate, which corporate tax for me, Bill, it's a fraud because no corporation pays the tax. You and I pay that tax. It's a pass through to the consumer. But in the United States of America, we have the highest effective corporate tax rate in the in the uh, Western or Western friendly world when it comes to uh, free market economics. We're at 39 percent. Compare that to uh, Ireland. That's at uh, 12.5. If we could get our uh, corporate tax rate down to 20 25%, you'll create some 600,000 new jobs in the next 10 years, according to the Tax Foundation. Something that your opponent said, and I want to get your reaction. 
Mr. Snyder said, Hillary Clinton is one of the most qualified candidates we've ever had for president of the United States. I assume you disagree with that. Actually, uh, I look at what we've had the last uh, eight years. Uh, On the economic front, again, 1.1% economic growth the last three quarters is not going to do it. And frankly, what uh, Hillary Clinton is offering us, Bill, is more of that. When I look at the, uh, the national security piece, Secretary Clinton has her fingerprints all over the foreign policy of this country for the past eight years. And where are we? Do you feel safer today than you did eight years ago? I don't. And uh, she is offering more of the same. Have you endorsed Donald Trump? Uh, I support uh, Donald Trump because I'm going to support the Republican nominee for president. How do you respond to the uh, uh, objections to what Donald Trump has said about women and and certain uh, minority groups? Listen, Bill, again, I'm running for Congress in Minnesota's 6th Congressional District. When it comes to uh, statements that uh, the Republican candidate has made, many of which and things that he have done, those are indefensible, and I wouldn't even try to defend them. Uh, but we're talking about bigger issues uh, for this country. Uh, it's not a matter of uh, like or dislike. It's who offers us the opportunity to put this country on a direction that's going to be better for us today and for our children tomorrow. From an economic perspective, uh, I believe that is the Republican candidate. And from a national security question, there's no doubt in my mind that's the Republican candidate. That's 6th District Congressman Tom Emmer. And next week, Scott, we will profile additional high-profile races for Congress as the election draws ever closer. Looking forward to that, Bill. Thank you. More Minnesota Matters after this. Sometimes a simple idea can be developed into something big that can change the world. This is Katy Perry. In fourth grade, my music teacher helped me make a vision board. It was a collage that represented all of my hopes and aspirations in music. But what if my teacher didn't have the supplies we needed to make our collages? What if I never got the chance to learn and express my dreams? Unfortunately, that's the reality our teachers face every day. They're forced to spend their own money, sometimes just to keep the classroom running. That's why I'm teaming up again with Staples for Students to donate $1 million to DonorsChoose.org, a charity that helps teachers get what they need to bring learning to life for students. DonorsChoose.org has helped fulfill more than 700,000 classroom projects, benefiting more than 18 million students. It's an idea that's changing the world. It's easy to help. Donate in Staples stores or learn more at staplesforstudents.org. Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, and son. Learn fast. F-A-S-T. The sudden signs of a stroke and you could save. Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. F-A-S-T. Face, arm, speech, time. That's F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of... Your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather. So learn F-A-S-T, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on, because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother... Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Anoka County Sheriff's Office continues to investigate what it calls an alarming number of heroin overdose cases in one day. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. On Saturday, October 22nd, Anoka County officials received six reports of heroin overdoses. At last check, two of the individuals involved have died. In the other cases, the life-saving drug known as Narcan was injected. So what is Narcan and how does it work? I asked Jason Varen, an assistant professor for pharmaceutical care and health systems at the University of Minnesota College of Pharmacy. Well, it's, it's akin to, to uh, drugs that have been used for painkillers such as morphine. Um, research was done that uh, found exactly how morphine and uh, opioids create uh, analgesia or pain relief, and they actually synthesize these drugs that work to combat that by having them bind to the same receptors as the opioids. So in other words, the Narcan binds to the same receptor that heroin does, except heroin exerts an effect. The Narcan basically is a dud, so it binds with the receptor. in the case where it's fighting a heroin overdose, it's actually blocking that receptor temporarily to prevent the heroin from uh, exerting its effect on the receptor. Is Narcan readily available? Um, yes and no. Um, it is available. With, it is available under collaborative agreement in Minnesota, and what that means is that a pharmacy has to have entered into a collaborative agreement with a physician or a physician's group that by following a certain protocol, they're allowed to dispense the Narcan um, based on the pharmacist's professional judgment. Uh, It's similar to the ability of of pharmacists to give flu shots or other immunizations. Uh, They need to have a a collaborative agreement with a physician. Um, I'd like to see that changed, by the way, because I think that uh, um, the dangers of Narcan are, are literally zero or mighty close to it. Um, and it, it's, it's a drug that I don't think should be impeded by uh, collaborative agreements. In, in Minnesota, we have just a few uh, pharmacies that are available to dispense the medicine. Um, but I, I think that, that any pharmacist in Minnesota that has gone through the training that understands how to use the drug Uh, should be uh, able to to carry and dispense that. Is Narcan only available to law enforcement officials? Nope, nope, that's that's kind of the uh, the premise. So if you go into a pharmacy that has a collaborative agreement in place so that they can legally dispense the drug, it then becomes uh, a professional judgment of the pharmacist. And as I said, the drug itself is virtually impossible to harm you. The, the, the chance of harm would be the actual injection itself, which would be about the same as if you were injecting saline or if you were for some reason allergic to the, uh, the Narcan itself. But it's a very safe drug. So in most cases, that would be a perfect candidate for somebody who should have avail- this available to them at the time of need. Heroin abuse has reached epidemic levels in our state and actually across the country. What's behind this in your mind? I would say the majority of, of, of opioid addicts right now are easily 
were started legally, and probably the, the large majority of them unsuspecting of what was awaiting them. Some of them may have thought about it, but didn't think it could happen to them. We, we have this picture in our mind that the heroin addict is this you know, 17-year-old, scraggly, long-haired person living underneath a bridge that's going day to day. Well, it's, it's not like that. It's, there's people, I know, I know three kids that are less than 20 that are going through treatment for heroin right now. I know the same number of people that are between the ages of 40 and 60 that are going under treatment for opioids right now. It's hitting everybody, and I think in Minnesota, the largest percentage increase are white males between the, uh, the ages of 50, or excuse me, of 15 and 25 that are from well-to-do families that have a good family structure and, and are well-to-do financially. So it, it's hitting everybody. Should parents be sitting down with their kids and engaging in a conversation about heroin and the dangers that surround this drug? Absolutely. You should be having it sooner and you should be having it frequently because, you know, it's, it, I would say every year before school starts. Now, I have to say I've, I haven't done it like that, but in retrospect, I, I would say that that's not unusual. And the more that you reinforce your message um, with, with, you know, your, your students or your, your, your children, the thing is that some people think that, well, if they talk about it, you know, it's best, you know, if you don't know about it, you're going to be safer. Well, all they need to do is have one of their friends in a, a particular situation that tells them to try something, and they don't have this voice in their head of you talking to them about not doing that. So I think you need to talk to them. And you need to just talk to them like, more like adults, not just say, oh, don't do drugs or don't don't do marijuana or don't do this, because then what they do is they, they link marijuana, cocaine, um, acid, and everything else into one giant lump. And they may have a ton of friends that use one of those drugs or the other, but the, you, need to, you, you need to identify the differences and the dangers involved with each of them. And they're all dangerous in their own way, but they're different. So you, you have to be careful to specify which drugs you know, and what they do and what the dangers are. The latest data shows there were around 1 million heroin users in the U.S. in 2014. That's nearly triple the number from 2003. Deaths have increased, too, with five times as many heroin-related fatalities as there were in 2000. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns in a moment. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The University of Minnesota will host the Big Ten Conference Men's and Women's Cross Country Championship meet on campus this week. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm has a preview. Scott, there are 14 women's teams and 12 men's teams competing for the Big Ten Cross Country title trophies on the Les Bolstead Golf Course on the U of M campus on Sunday. Golden Gopher men's coach Steve Placentia says this event is a big deal. Yeah, we're tremendously excited to have the Big Ten meet here at Minnesota uh, this coming weekend. Um, it's been something we've been waiting for for a while. Uh, we thought we had it last year and then they inserted the Northwestern into the rotation. Now it's here and looks like we're going to have good weather on the day so uh, we hope to have a lot of people out on a Bolstead course. How much does it help that you yearly host the, uh, the, the GREAC as well in terms of putting on an event like this? You know really in terms of the size of the event the Big Ten meet is a lot lot smaller than the GREAC meet so it, it, it helps a lot. You know we have the officials, Coach Wilson is a meet director, so we, we have a lot of people in place that know how to put on a big meet. We obviously want to make sure we cross the T's and dot the I's because this one, as opposed to the GREAC, the numbers are a lot smaller, but the intensity is pretty high. <laughs> well, and you had mentioned to me when we talked about the uh, the GREAC Invitational that this course, at the, uh, the, the running course on the golf course, is not one of the easier ones around, so your guys and everybody will have to be ready. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and especially this year with the weather being what it has been. There's a, the course has been wet, and I, I've heard uh, that we expect almost another inch of rain by the time we race on Sunday, so uh, who knows what kind of course we're going to have. Who uh, kind of handicapped the field for us a little bit when fans come and watch? Um, who's who's going to be the team to beat if there is one, and where will the Gophers fall in that order if, you, uh, if everything goes your way? I would say right now uh, Michigan is the defending Big Ten champions. They lost some things out, off that. Uh, Wisconsin has been a perennial power in cross country, but this is not their strongest squad. Michigan State's a strong squad. Indiana is, ourselves in Illinois. So really, it's a little bit of a wide open Big Ten championship, and it kind of depends on who has the day. So a home course and crowd support could be huge for us. From a crowd standpoint, uh, give our folks a little bit of a, of a guidance on what they should do to come out and watch, and is there a spot to, to go watch from? It's a big course, so there's a lot of places out there. You, we start just off the driving range of the golf course or on the driving range and then out at the top of that the course crosses that a number of times. We'll have video boards out there. Uh, the Big Ten Network is going to be doing the event live so there's going to be a lot of coverage out there and so you know I think it's it's a free event so uh, just come in the door and have fun. Very good. Good luck this weekend. Thanks Mike. And on to the women where Golden Gopher women's head coach Sarah Hopkins feels fortunate to have this event on the Minnesota home course. You know it's awesome we obviously haven't had this meet here in about 10 years and so to have it back is so great. Um, I think we have great cross-country fans in the state so we're looking forward to having a huge home field advantage. Our course is not an easy course either so it plays into our hands I think to just know it really well so I think it should be a great day for cross-country for the state but also for the Gophers. You know, I think some people think, well, you just go out and run the set distance, but the course does matter, and there is some home course edge. Oh, absolutely. I mean, last year we were at Northwestern, and it was basically a track with grass on it. Um, it was flat as a pancake. It was right along the lakefront. Um, our course, if you've ever golfed there or if you've ever run out there, is basically never flat. So really you're talking about two courses that play to two very different teams. So it's definitely a course that, that plays into our advantage. Um, the GREAC we hosted about a month ago, and it was really muddy. So teams came and looked at that, but now it's probably not going to be as muddy. So it definitely changes, and um, that's why it's kind of fun compared to track because you do get a lot of different challenges. All right, let's uh, talk about this meet, uh, kind of handicap it for us in this Big Ten race. Where do you guys rank in there, would you say, and uh, who is maybe the favorite coming in? 
You know, I think we're probably, if, if you were to ask a straw poll, we're probably picked to finish about fourth. Um, I really think, you know, Michigan and Penn State, probably the odds on favorites right now. Um, they both have some really strong front runners. Then I think, you know, Michigan State, us, Indiana, Ohio State, Purdue kind of are in that next family. When it's a 14-team race, does that change anything to when you're like in with 20 or 30 teams from a scoring standpoint? Absolutely. I mean, it definitely, um, in a big race, it rewards um, front runners because obviously if you have a low stick, that makes a bigger difference. In a smaller race like this, it rewards packs. And I think that's something we've really focused on over the last four or five weeks is trying to, you know, we really feel like we have a good group through three. We have great four, five, and six. We just need to get them closer. Mm -hmm. So really closing that gap, I think, is going to be crucial for us to be a third-place team versus a sixth place team fans uh, tell them uh, give them a little guidance on how they should come out and watch this thing um, it's going to be awesome. You know, the, the fun thing with cross country is it's two races and it's done compared to track where you're kind of locked in all day. Uh, we are doing a fan fest, kind of like a tailgate before football out at the golf course from 830 to 945. There'll be beanbags. There'll be giant Jenga. There'll be Connect Four. There'll be hot chocolate and coffee. Um, and so that'll be right adjacent to the start and finish line. Our women's race goes off at 10 a.m. and then the men's race goes off at 11. Um, and then the awards around 1145 and you're done. Um, and hopefully you can stay around and go watch soccer because that starts at two. So lots to do in St. Paul. Um, parking is over on the St. Paul campus. There'll be signage for that. But uh, we'd love to have tons of Gopher fans out there cross country if you've never watched it before. It's very active. Wear running shoes, run around the course. It's not one where you come and sit in the bleachers for two hours. It's fun for kids. It's fun for everybody to, to get out on a nice Sunday morning and just run around the golf course. Good luck this weekend. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. For more info on Sunday's championship events, fans can log on to gophersports.com. Scott. Thank you, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.